Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis chapter 45. Last two weeks, we have been talking about the pathway to forgiveness. And I want to start off again this morning by just kind of talking about forgiveness again. Just excuse me, just for a a moment. Um, You know, when we learn to forgive... um, we we can experience uh, freedom and true liberty. Uh, when we fail to forgive, we take what we we take upon ourselves a heavy burden that robs us from happiness and true liberty. As we have seen in the lives of Joseph's brothers, uh, when you don't forgive, some of the characteristics that we have seen played out in their lives and that will play out in our lives is guilt, regret, mistrust, excuse me, and shame. These are all characteristics that will play out in our lives, and and the list could go on and on and on. But when we fail to forgive, we we take that burden upon ourselves. As I have, as I was thinking about this this week, I I had a I had an interesting thought. What is the opposite of forgiveness? Have you ever thought about that? I had never thought about that. But what is the opposite of forgiveness? The opposite of forgiveness is conviction. Or another word or another way to say it is we then become the the judge, jury, and executioner. We convict. When we fail to forgive, we become the convictor. And we convict people with no trial. You know, it's an interesting thing whenever there's conflict between two people. Oftentimes, you know, somebody will come to me and unload on me. And and this person did this, and this person did this, and this person did this. And then you go to that person and say, okay, what's going on? Well, this person did this, and this person did that, and you get you get like two completely different stories, and 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 you 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 have to stop and ask yourself, what, where's the truth? And and somewhat, yeah, there's it's some somewhere in the middle of all that. And most of the time, my experience is most of the time, the 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 problem is a misunderstanding on one or both parties parts but what do we do when we fail to forgive we we convict them of something oftentimes they never did matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 5 says judge not that ye be not judged for uh, oh, and by the way, uh, Matthew chapter 7, and this particular passage in Matthew chapter uh, uh, 7 is part of the Sermon on the Mount that we're going to be talking about in more detail when we get to it. So just thought I'd throw that little commercial in there. 
judge not lest ye be judged for for what judge ye, uh, what judgment ye judge ye shall be judged and what excuse me and with what measure ye meet it shall be measured to you again in other words what goes around comes around okay that's basically what Jesus is saying here and why behold uh, beholdest thou the moat or the speck or the piece of sawdust in your brother's eye when uh, but ye consider not the beam or the two by four sticking out of your eye this is an incredible word picture the lord gives us here of somebody who is criticizing someone else for having a piece of sawdust in their eye when they have a two by four sticking out of theirs Oh, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye. Behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam or the two by four out of your own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the moat out of thy brother's eye. You know, this this passage, and, and I don't want to give away the, the Sunday night series yet, but, you know, to help us understand here, Jesus was referring to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees used to love to play God. And they would, they would pass judgment on other people, never considering the fact that they would stand in judgment themselves. Then he goes on to say, uh, you better be kind in your judgment because as you measure out judgment, guess what's coming back to you? Judgment. What goes around comes around. Verses uh, 3 through 5, uh, Jesus is basically, in a nutshell, what he's, tell, what he's telling us here is we need to be really, really careful when we start judging people's motives. Because the reality is, nobody knows the heart of a man other than God. And when we start judging people's motives, we start playing God. And we need to be really, really careful. Psalm chapter 44, verse 21. uh, Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2, Every way of a man is right in his own eye, but the Lord pondereth the heart. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. It is a freeing, enlightening thing that, that God has given us the ability to do. And Joseph is, a, is an incredible example of faithfulness and forgiveness. Our, 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 our theme this year is resolved. And as we, as we take on this idea of being resolved in our own lives, faithfulness and forgiveness have to be at the top of those things. But there's another characteristic that I want to talk about this morning in the life of Joseph, and that is the fact that he had the ability to look forward. He didn't live in the past. He lived in the future. As I mentioned earlier, tomorrow I am scheduled to go out to the prison at Lovelock. 
And um, the men that are incarcerated at the Lovelock prison live in their past convictions. It's almost as though time just stands still for these guys. They have no future until they get out. Many of them, as I have learned through the years that I've been there, are doing life without parole. It's almost like their lives stop. They can dream. They can plan about what they're going to do when they get out. But they're stuck in the past. And that is exactly what happens to us when we fail to forgive. Conviction for these guys locks them in a time warp of sorts. And when we convict someone and we fail to forgive them, we lock our lives into a time warp of sorts. Yeah, we're free. We're out walking around. We're not in prison except the prison of our minds. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Not as though I had already attained, either uh, were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended for Christ, of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. The word, the word forgetting here, the, when Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And what he's saying here, the word forgetting there means to suppress. And what Paul is saying is, you know what, I, 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 don't, I, can't, I can't forget the past, but I can suppress it. I don't have to live in the past. And, and Paul was a man who, who made a lot of mistakes in his life. Paul referred to himself as being the chief sinner of sinners. But he's basically saying, I've made a conscious decision to move forward. And, that, and, and hopefully this morning, that's what we're going to see in the life of Joseph. The title of my message is Looking Forward. Looking Forward. In Genesis chapter 45, let's start... Reading in verse 16. And the fame uh, thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren, brethren 
uh, are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, uh, uh, lad, uh, excuse me, laid uh, your beast, and go, get you out of the land of Canaan, and take your father and, and your household, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you again for the opportunity to come together and to to share uh, around your word. Encourage us, strengthen us, but Lord, most importantly, change us. We need you in our lives. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, those of you that were here last week understand that that what Pharaoh just said in verses 16 to 18, Joseph had told his brothers. I find it interesting. If you go back to to uh, verse 9 in this in this chapter, it says uh, Joseph is doing the talking here to his brothers, and he says, uh, "Haste ye and go up uh, to my father and say unto him, Thus saith uh, thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord over." of all Egypt, come down unto me and tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt uh, be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children and the flocks and thy herds and, and, and so on and so forth. And in verse 11, he says, and I will nourish you. Basically the exact same words that Pharaoh used <clears throat> uh, when talking to Joseph just a few verses later. Point number one this morning. I want to look at the plan. Let's look at the plan. I want to I want to point something out here because this is important. People that look forward are usually leaders that are looking forward to a plan. And Joseph was definitely one of these people. Joseph was a natural leader. He was constantly looking forward, but he had a plan. Uh, <clears throat> Joseph had had made the conscious decision to leave the bitterness behind, and he was looking forward. Now, I want to uh, within this idea of the plan. There, I, I have two points this morning. The first one is the logistics. The logistics. Uh, <clears throat> how was how was all of this going to take place? And and as, as I thought about the logistics. I can only come up with two explanations why Joseph, why Pharaoh and Joseph said the same thing, basically. I can only come up with two, two, two explanations. The first one is <clears throat> that Joseph knew that he had the influence over Pharaoh and that he could manipulate the situation to his advantage. Uh, look at verse 8 of this uh, chapter 45, uh, verse 8. He says, Now it came, uh, or excuse me, now it was uh, not you that sent me, uh, me hither, but God, and he hath made me a father to Pharaoh. So what is he saying there in verse 8? He says, Hey, I am like a father to Pharaoh. I have influence. I can, I can do 
I can make him do what I want him to do. Is that, is that what Joseph is saying? I don't believe so. Uh, if you know anything about the character of Joseph, that does not sound like something Joseph would say. So that comes, brings me to the second explanation of why Pharaoh and Joseph were on the same page, and that is they obviously talked about it before. Obviously, when as as Joseph was starting to understand these dreams that were that were being fulfilled, Joseph started started putting the pieces of the puzzle together, and more than likely, Joseph went to the Pharaoh and and explained it all to him and said, "Hey, more than likely, my family is going to need a place to live because of the famine." And they agreed together to bring his family to Egypt. And that's why when <clears throat> Joseph talked to his brothers, he said, hey, we're going to give you the land of Goshen, the, the best land available. You're going to get it. My personal opinion is that they had talked before. And in verse 17, <clears throat> uh Pharaoh basically is ordering Joseph to do this now. Verse 17, it says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, uh, This do ye, laid your beasts, and go down to the land, and get, go to Canaan, get your father, and so on and so forth. So now uh, Pharaoh is ordering Joseph to fulfill the plan that they had already brought together. And the, the, the logistical plan that they put together uh, <clears throat> was uh, obviously had been planned. Okay, this was not something that was thrown together. Uh, they had talked about it. They had planned it. Um, and the plan was to go get uh, Joseph's family. The second part of the plan we see in verse 22. And this is, this is, this is really critical to the plan. Look at verse 22. And all them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five change, changes of raiment. And you think, okay, how was how that important to the plan? Well, let me, let me kind of help you out. Point number B. A new beginning. The new beginning. See, if we're going to move forward, we don't want to bring the past with us, do we? We want a new beginning. And oftentimes in Scripture, we see that clothing is a sign of a new beginning. When uh, we see it in Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 and 2, uh, the Bible says, And God said unto Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeareth unto thee when uh, thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. And Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange... <clears throat> excuse me, the strange gods uh, that are among you and be clean and what? Change your garments. 
What, what was Jacob saying here in, in chapter 35? You know what? We're going to start fresh. We're going to start anew. And by Joseph t- telling, giving, giving his brothers raiment, new raiment, he's like, you know what? We're going to start new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. A new beginning. And there are times in our lives that we need to just, you know what? We just need to just start anew. Joseph was telling his brothers in essence, you know what? We don't want to start our new lives in Egypt with dirty laundry. We don't want to start with hatred or bad memories. We are going to start anew. And there are times that we just need to do that. And and uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 and verse 17, it says, uh, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a, a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17, And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now, how, how many of you have ever made a mistake? Okay. <clears throat> now, I only raised my hand out of courtesy. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Okay. How many of you are like me where you, you make a mistake and five minutes later you do it again? And, and your prayer is, God, I did it again. And then five minutes later, you do it again. And you're like, God, please forgive me. I did it again. You know what God says? Did what again? Because see, he chooses not to remember. When When we mess up and we go to him and say, God, forgive me for whatever this time. He says, okay. And it's done. He doesn't hold it over our heads and say, you did it again. This is 2,342,000th time. No, he doesn't do that. In fact, when we say, God, forgive me again, he says, again? For what? what? See, that's that's how God forgives us. And that is how we are supposed to forgive. So there is a plan. So, point number two this morning. Let's look at the command. Let's look at the command. Verse 19. Now thou art commanded. Okay, he uses the word commanded. He, He looks at Joseph and he says, you are commanded to do the following. <clears throat> this do ye take your wagons or, or, or excuse me let me let me rephrase that this is Joseph commanding his brothers I'm sorry I, I, I got ahead of myself Joseph is doing the commanding here and he says thou art commanded <clears throat> this do ye take your wagons out of the land of Egypt 
for your little ones and your wives and bring your father and come. Also, regard not your stuff for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. There are There's two parts to the command I want you to look at. And this is, again, this is really important to this whole part of the story. The first one is go get your family. That's the command. The first, the first part of the command of the, the, the plan that Joseph and Pharaoh had worked out is to go get the family. <clears throat> now, my understanding of the research that I've done, my understanding is that wagons were relatively new concept, okay? Uh, and that they were very expensive. In fact, we'll see here in a few minutes that they are so rare that, that Jacob is impressed by them. We'll, we'll see that in a few minutes. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it, it's something that is very unique. And I did some research, and I, and I, I, I came to the conclusion that the best of my ability that the, the clan that they were going to get, Jacob, his, his 11 sons, their wives, their children, grandchildren, all of the, the, all of the clan, to the best of my ability, comes to about 70 or 75 people. Okay? So they're going down to Egypt. Now, now <clears throat> you have to understand that Joseph was intent on keeping his brother Benjamin safe. So do you think, quite possibly that Joseph sent an armed escort to go with them. More than likely. And who were, who, were, who were the ones driving the wagons? The Egyptians. Because they, 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 Canaan, the, the Hebrews, of the Can- where they lived in the land of Canaan. They didn't have wagons. They wouldn't have known how to, how to drive them and how to, how to handle them and all that. So there was an there was a there was quite a caravan that left Egypt to go to Canaan to get these 70 75 people and bring them back. And <clears throat> the armed escort would have been more than likely a part of that just to keep everybody safe. Because <clears throat> uh it was not uncommon for people to get robbed along the highways back then. So this was quite a large caravan, very expensive. But you know what? Pharaoh <clears throat> wanted Joseph's family back in Egypt. Then I asked the question, why would, Joseph, why would Pharaoh want Joseph's family in Egypt? Joseph had blessed the whole of Egypt. So right, okay. Well, my thought was, I think Pharaoh didn't want Joseph to leave. That's because he would have lost the blessing that Joseph had on the on the nation of Egypt. <clears throat> That's just my opinion, but I don't know. But anyway, Pharaoh spent a lot of money and then gave gave them the land of Goshen. So the first part of the command 
is go get your family. Now, the second part of the command we see in verse 20, letter B, leave your baggage behind. Leave your baggage behind. Look at verse 20. Also, regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. Joseph knew that their stuff would only slow them down. He commanded them to leave their baggage behind. One of the things that we as a society are great at is carrying our baggage with us. Do do we not? I mean, in our society today, there is a very common phrase, and that is, oh, that person's got a lot of baggage. What, what, What does that mean? A lot of history. A lot of history, a lot of stuff. What's Joseph? Joseph is commanding his brothers, you know what? Don't worry about your, the stuff. Don't worry about the stuff. That's in the past. We're, we're moving forward. Because <clears throat> it is shortly after this, in verse 22, that he says, you know what? I'm going to give you all new clothing. We're going to start afresh. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, uh, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so doth, doth, doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Another incredible word picture here of an athlete who is getting too ready to run a race. Now, unless you're in the Marine Corps, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do before you run a race? You, you, you lose everything you don't need, Right? The last thing, and the Marines, they, they, they wear these, they, what they call rug sacks, and they fill them with rocks. They're, they're, they're weird, okay? Okay? You betcha. Uh, but normal people take the rug sacks off, and, you know, they don't pick up rocks. What do they do? They, they take the, the things that are weighing them down and they lay them aside. And that's what God is telling us to do in our lives. But we are so great at carrying our baggage. My mom and I were talking yesterday about the younger generations and how millennials today are are in, in, in many even many people my age are, are minimalists and they, they get rid of everything. But, you, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm the kind of guy that 
those of you that know me, I know I love to do woodworking and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and I, will, I will cut a piece of wood, and I'll have a scrap piece of wood that for all intents and purposes is worthless. But I'll keep it. Terry's smiling. <laughs> and uh, I know you don't do this, right? <laughs> but I'll keep it, and I'll trip over it for months. And I'll, I'll trip over it one too many times. I'll get mad. I'll go out. I'll throw it in the trash. And guess what I need a week later? See, that's how, that's how my brain works. I want to hold on to everything. And un- unfortunately, we do that in our lives. We hold on to stuff. And somebody hurts us. What do we do? We hold on to it. And this is a great picture of starting anew. Just leave, just, you know what? Just leave, leave your baggage behind. You're not going to need it. When I went to boot camp, many of you experienced the same thing. My mom packed me a, a suitcase and, you know, it wasn't a suitcase, but anyway, it was like an overnight bag with all the stuff. And the first thing they did when I got the boot camp, they took it all away. Said, we, we have everything you need. You need nothing from the outside world. And they took it and we, and we mailed it home. Didn't, didn't, didn't you? Yeah, we, they stick it in a box and they mailed it home. Why? Because they want you to think like them. And Joseph was trying to get his brothers to understand, you know what? We're going to start afresh. Just leave your baggage at home. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The word casting here is, a, is, a, is, a, is, is an incredible word. It, it, it means, okay, how many, how many of you like to fish? Okay, we got a few fishermen here. Casting is is this idea of taking a fishing line and casting it, right? Okay, everybody knows what that is, right? But what do we do as fishermen? Okay, we 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 get, we let it sit out there and you know for a little while, and then we what do we do? We start slowly bringing it back in. And then we get it and we, we cast it again and, we, and then we slowly bring it back in. <clears throat> and when we read this verse, that is the picture we have in our mind. That we cast it out and we bring it back and we cast it out and we bring it back. That is not what this word means. This, what this word means is to, to cast it, take your knife and cut the line. So you can't bring it back. And when we cast our burdens upon the Lord, we are to give them to God and then cut the line so that we can't keep playing with them. Because what do we do? 
I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm the kind of person that I'll, I'll hear a message kind of like this, on, a, and, and, and I'll come down to the altar, and I'll say, okay, God, I'm going to give this to you, and two or three days later, what am I doing? I'm taking it back. Casting all your care upon him. Number three, the plan, the command. Number three, stay focused. Stay focused. Look at verse 21. And the children of Israel did so, and Joseph uh, gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them their provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man a change of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner ten asses laden with good things and Egypt uh, of Egypt and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat. Uh, for his father, <clears throat> by the way. And they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And he told the, and, and told him, saying, Oh, wait, I was supposed to stop at verse 24. Let's just stop at verse 24. Joseph's last words to them were to stay focused. Stay focused. So often it's easy to lose our focus. Joseph tells his brothers, don't argue. Don't bicker. Don't don't start blame shifting. Oh, it was you that did it. No, it was you know. No, you know. Just stay on task because we're going to move forward. Just stay focused. Moving forward requires teamwork. And as we as a church, if we are going to, going to continue to move forward for Christ, it's going to take us as a team. Joseph knew that his brothers would get sidetracked, arguing and bickering along the way. And his last words to him was, you know what? Stay focused. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being uh, uh, of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own way, but every man also on the ways of others. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit <clears throat> yourselves unto the elders. 
Yea, all uh, of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. We need to stay focused. The ability of a good leader, i.e. Joseph, was the ability to stay focused. And the last words to his brothers was, you know what, guys? Forget all everything in the past. Just sub, just forget it. Leave leave the leave the baggage at home. We're gonna we're gonna start anew. We need to stay focused on the future and not the past. But when we fail to forgive, we live in the past. Point number four, and we'll be done. Be an encouragement. Be an encouragement. Look at verse 25. And they went up out of the uh, out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father, and he told and told him saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Okay, let's stop right there. Because of the brothers' past lie lies. Is it, is it any surprise that Jacob didn't believe him? You know, it's perfectly natural. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which <clears throat> he had uh, said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, it wasn't until he saw the wagons of Egypt which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, his father, was revived. Because of the hatred and the, and the mistrust that had been developed between Jacob and his sons, when they finally came home with the truth, he didn't believe them. But it was when he saw the wagons that Joseph and Pharaoh had sent, he believed. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive, and I will go and see him before he, before I die. I want to say, and I could be wrong, I'll, I'm going to do some research on this to make sure, but I believe Jacob at this point here is 130 years old. He's 100 and something, I can't, but I, I want to say he's 130 years old. And Jacob lives in Israel for 14 years before he dies. Or Egypt, I'm sorry. What did I say? Israel? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he lives in Egypt for 14 years. That is a blessing. And as we kind of been talking about forgiveness and and looking forward and all of this stuff. Be an encouragement. Be an encouragement. I mean, when is the last time you prayed, you prayed and asked God, God, help me encourage somebody today. 
You know, I'm not talking about, oh, I want to do a good deed so that somebody will do a good deed to me. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But if we can encourage somebody in the Lord, we can change lives. Jo- Jacob's life was changed. Uh, prior to this, at least the way I read it, uh, Jacob was on his deathbed. But when he gets to Egypt and he sees his son that he had, had not seen for many, many years, he lived another 14 years. We have the ability, we have the uncanny ability to tear people down or build people up with our words. And when we live in the past, what do we do? We tear down. But when we live with our eyes on the Lord, when we live for the future, we can build people up. Proverbs chapter 20, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23. A man hath joy by the answers of his mouth, and, the, and a word spoken in due season, how great is it? We can, we can choose our words and we can, we can be a blessing or a curse. That's the ability that God's given us. And then my, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. I love that verse because it is a constant reminder to me that I need to pick my words carefully. Apples of gold. I've always wanted to see a golden apple just by the, you know, just saying. Looking forward. Looking forward. I want, to, I want to encourage you this morning. If we're going to look forward, it's going to take us leaving our baggage behind, looking to the cross of Christ. The plan the command, the focus, and the encouragement. Let's be an encouraging place. I want, I, I want Grace Baptist Church to be a place where people come to be encouraged. I hope you do too. Lord, we are truly thankful, grateful for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end, we ask that you would speak to our hearts that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and that you would help us to be exactly what you would want us to be. And I believe that is a people, a group of people, that has the desire to encourage others. With every head bowed,